0: Welcome into another edition of Talkin Ducks Oregon getting the big time victory over Oregon State in what is the final rivalry game of the Pac12 era for both Oregon and Oregon State. We'll talk about this defense that was finally able to stop the run Plus, Bo Nix, one game closer to a Heisman Trophy potentially, sets up a big-time matchup that everybody's been looking forward to since October. The rematch against the Huskies will let you know why Oregon should be the favorite in that one, and Dan Rubenstein will join the show, as always. But let's go ahead and get to the opening drive, brought to you by Capital Toyota. Your way on the highway, and we welcome in the rest of the crew here, from the Oregonian, Aaron Fentress, former captain comeback, Joey Harrington, trying to make a... Health comeback of his own right now. And then Anthony Newman, who had a house divided in this game against Oregon State. We'll start with you, Anthony. Obviously, multiple personal reasons why you're very invested in Oregon State. And for Oregon, they were able to finally stop the run against the Beavers. That's what really seemed to stand out in this victory. What did you think about the difference of the defense this year based upon what we saw
1: last well, year? Well, you know what's funny? Um, the Oregon defense didn't stop the running game. It was the Oregon offense that stopped the Oregon State running game because Oregon, the time of possession was crazy. In that first quarter, I think Oregon had the ball for like nine minutes and Oregon State had it for like two minutes. And so when you're you're that offense for Oregon and you're moving the football, getting first downs, and then you score, that's how you keep that Oregon State offense off the field. They're standing on the sideline watching. But there's a dude, number three, Okay, on the defensive line, Brandon Dorless. he creates havoc for the running game. He was always in the backfield. He didn't have a lot of tackles, but he was creating all kinds of chaos in the backfield. And the runners were going east and west instead of north and south, which when you watch Oregon State run football, they're a north and south running team. And that wasn't happening on Friday night. It was just great job by the defense. And then Oregon, Oregon State, they had to score a point. So you 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 get out of the running game because you need to throw the football. But uh, Oregon's defense did a great job.
2: Hey, hey, hey guys, just 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 can we acknowledge what just happened? Anthony was given an opportunity to praise the defense, and he started by saying something about the uh, I, about Who the Who uh, are you and what have you done with Anthony? What wait, wait, hold on. Do we want to start the show again? Like, can we? No, do- <laughs>
0: no, no, no. We are
3: rolling and it cost us every
1: single second hey, that we are
3: doing the show. he's a pod.
1: But it, it, Joey... It, it, it's Thanksgiving. Well, it was Thanksgiving. Hey, you know.
2: God, Newman's Newman's talking about the offense. You know, Fentress is wearing his, you know, J- yeah, and Joker and outfit. You know, trying to stay neutral. Like, things are right going there,
0: crazy. Fentress. What? We got to stop. Yeah, yeah. Before we even get to Joey for a single point... Where did you find that in your closet? I mean, I, I would imagine I've had this purple that jacket no store for a while. would sell that. I've
3: had this purple. I've had this jacket for a while, thank you. And it's a beautiful shade of purple, and it's perfect for this week. Was
0: it when you dressed up as the Joker? For I'm holidays? trolling.
3: I'm not going to lie. I'm trolling. <laughs> I'm being the Joker. I got my little green thing. Yeah, I, I'm trolling. I'm not okay. even going to pretend.
0: Uh, all right, well, Joker, we'll <laughs> go ahead and let you talk about this game. What did you make of Oregon? I mean, this this really wasn't even close for most of the game here, Aaron. And. Again, Bo Nix, another masterful performance, and this team has just been methodical in the way that they've been winning games lately.
3: Well, first props to Joey, because he's the one who kind of picked the semi-blowout in this game. I thought it would be close, but it was obvious pretty early on that Oregon State was a little overwhelmed. That long drive ate up a ton of clock, like Newman said, and they did get that touchdown drive to make it 14-7. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens in the second half. And oops, 40 seconds later, the Ducks are in the end zone. Off of an amazing pass from Bo Nix, getting flushed out of the pocket to the right, throwing across the the field to to Franklin. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, I think this is over because I just didn't see enough from DJ to believe that he was going to be able to overcome the lack of a running game and produce enough big plays against this defense, getting pressure on him and playing pretty good coverage. He just wasn't up to the task. No knock on him. He's a really good quarterback, but he was going to have to be special in this game, throw for 300-plus, four touchdowns, and it just wasn't in him and the offense to get it done. Great performance by the Ducks. They've definitely have been playing great football since that loss to Washington. They have been elevating their game each week, and this was another example of that. Wait, wait, hold on, Jordan, Jordan, hold on, hold on. Okay, we've had two responses.
2: One in which Anthony was praising the, D, uh, the offense, and two in which Fentress was saying something nice about the, like, about the Ducks.
3: I've been saying nice stuff all season, stop!
2: What so, in the world is going on here? So,
0: if the theme is people saying the opposite of what they normally say, I guess you need to say something insightful here, then, right, Joey?
3: Ooh. <laughs> I'm Damn. That was that. you too, Newman. <laughs>
0: Good. More words for us. No, I'm playing. But, Joey, I I forgot he's on crutches, too. I would not have made fun of him. I completely forgot, dude, that you were on crutches. My apologies. So, Joey, I want to go. I was thinking about this. This was probably the most drama-free November that I can remember in Oregon football. I mean... There wasn't a moment this month where you felt like they were threatened as a team. And what do you think this says about the way that they're able to close out this regular season and put themselves in prime positioning heading into this Pac-12 championship game?
2: I think it says two things. One, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make uh, Anthony proud here. I don't know that we've had a defense like this in... I mean, I saw a stat that said this is the lowest scoring defense since like 1962. So I know you guys have talked about the team a couple of years ago, about 2019, yeah. 2019, or the teams with Hello Team. Like, at least for me, this is the most consistent defense that I've seen in, in, in my lifetime. Like, this is a true credit to Lanning and Tosh Lapoy and all those guys on the defensive side of the ball. Oregon has historically been in close games in November, you know, because the offense stumbles a little bit, or the def- and the defense gives up these big plays, and all of a sudden you've got yourself a close game. Not only was the defense phenomenal, but Bo Nix, like we we keep saying it week after week, like I don't know that there's been, and I'm sure there's been a drive where he's felt a little bit off, but like. I couldn't find it in November. Like, I I honestly can't find a... You know what? Maybe in the second half of the USC game, maybe if I'm trying to nitpick a little bit, like, when you combine incredibly consistent quarterback play, and, and more than just consistent, like, exceptional quarterback play, with a defense that's only given up 15 points a game, that's hard, holding Oregon State to 50 yards rushing, like, you combine those two things and you've got... You're putting your feet up in November and, and and cashing your ticket to the Pac-12 championship game. So, yeah, that's that has been, un- I won't say surprising, but it's just been an incredibly um It's been really good to see. Yeah.
0: yeah, you look at Bo Nix, and we'll get to this here a little bit later in the show, but it reminds me of the way Marcus was playing when he was on the cusp with the Heisman Trophy. Just untouchable at this point. And the team was following suit. And this has a lot of similarities to that 2014 team where they stubbed their toe earlier in the season and then just came roaring back, heading into a top 10 ranked Pac-12 championship matchup. And that was against number seven, Arizona, at the time. But shifting gears to Oregon State, because this is starting to become one of the biggest dominoes as a result of this conference realignment. Jonathan Smith accepting the Michigan State opening. And you look at the job that he did, Joey, at Oregon State bringing them from beneath the ashes. I mean, this was a program that was decimated by the time he got there and then got them to where they were on the verge of the top 10 this year. I think if they didn't have so many injuries, they maybe flirt with the top 20 finish. What do you think about him going to Michigan State? And now where does this leave Oregon State where this program has never been in more limbo, I suppose, as far as what their future looks like?
2: Yeah, I know this isn't the place to say it, but... Um... I feel bad for Oregon State, I do. Um, you, can it, you, can you can say that. You can yeah, say that here. Yeah. No, that's it, it's it's unfortunate the way things played out, especially considering the job that or that that Jonathan Smith did to bring Oregon State back to the point where they were literally two weeks ago competing for a potential Pac-12 championship. Um, that being said, I, I don't I don't blame them for leaving. I don't. Um, you know it, it, the situation at Oregon State, and we've talked about it before, is so up in the air. Who's going to leave? Are you going to have the funding? Are you going to have a conference? Are you going to have a TV deal? Who are you going to play next year? You don't have a schedule. Um, you know the idea of being potentially reduced to a, you know, a you know, I guess it won't be group of five anymore, but the you know a mid-major football program um that's not real enticing and and I think in the same way that Oregon chose to follow the other schools or to go with the other schools to the Big Ten out of self-preservation I think Jonathan Smith probably did the same thing he said I want to be I want to I want to be a college coach at the highest level I want to compete for a national championship I I have you know I, I know that I'm talented and, and can get a team there but with all the things that are now happening at Oregon State that's not the same situation I signed up for. And so um, I don't blame them leaving. Uh, it's unfortunate, but um, you know, that's, that's kind of how it is. And I can say it. I, I feel bad for Oregon.
0: State. Yeah. I, I think a lot of us do. I think there was just a moment when that game Finch ended as you realized it was just never going to be the same again between Oregon and Oregon state as a result of this conference realignment. And you don't know what the future holds, but you certainly do feel sorry for Oregon state and kudos to Jonathan Smith and what he was able to do in that short time. And, You do wish the Beavers best, and you hope that this rivalry can certainly continue. But with that very political statement out of the way, we got to take a break. Because when we come back, we got to talk about Bo Nix, this Heisman Trophy race. Many people think he's maybe not a lock for the number one spot. What does he need to do against Washington? We'll let you know when we come back on Talking Ducks. You're watching Talkin' Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back. Time now for our legendary moment, brought to you by Abby's Legendary Pizza. Well, back in October, when Oregon fell to Washington on the road, a missed field goal that could have sent the game into overtime, many people circled this date coming up, December 1st. Would this be a rematch of Oregon versus Washington? The conference erasing the North versus South nonsense, putting the two best teams in the conference, Against themselves, and this is what the conference was thinking. Now, the Pac 12, as a sense, has a lock for one of the top four playoff spots potentially. But what do you make about this matchup here, Aaron, and the poetic story that we're going to see here eventually that Oregon has a chance to redeem themselves against Washington? A ton of parallels to 2014, right, when Oregon lost to Arizona. They need to beat Arizona in the conference title game to try and go to the college football playoff with a Heisman Trophy-caliber quarterback that has a chance to cement it. I mean, it feels like everything's there, and this being the final football game ever between two Pac-12 opponents.
3: That's depressing, but uh, this matchup is not. This is what we all kind of hoped would happen, and it's here, and it's not like they – The two teams lost along the way and still got here. They both ran the table to get to this point. You have two arch rivals going at it in the the final Pac-12 championship game ever with so much at stake. Heisman playoff berth potentially. It's an amazing setup. The first game was Grand Theater. That's one of the best football games I I feel like I've watched Oregon ever participate in. And we're going to see a rematch. What the game is going to be like, we'll talk about later. But, yes, I'm definitely looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Anthony. Yeah, well, I'm going to say this. It's hard to beat a team twice, and it's really hard to beat a team twice when they really should have beat you the first time. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I think he's, he, he had nightmares of number three, Brandon Dorless, uh, during that first game, and he hasn't been right ever since. He's been beat up. Uh, you, now, they find ways to win football games. Give them credit. They're finding ways. They're still undefeated. So yes, this is a very good football team, but they they understand what Oregon's all about. This is going to be this is going to be a good game. It really is.
0: Yeah, I mean, Joey, as Aaron pointed out, you really couldn't have scripted a better closing game to the conference and everything that's on the table for both of these teams. And as a player, I mean, going into this game on a short week, a chance to play your rival, what's going through your mind as you're preparing for this game?
2: You know, um this is one of those moments where you just you feel like you're almost there, like you 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 like you can you can reach out and touch it, right? We all you know as players, you know Jordan, Anthony, I guess even you, Aaron, um, you know for your you know we made goals, like you know Aaron, you probably made punting goals, like you you start at the beginning of the season, and like what can I do for my punting average and how is that going to going to play out and when getting you're sitting teams inside
3: and, the 20 that was my big thing yeah
2: exactly um you know in april you know it's forever away and then it's august and it's you know it's we're getting closer and then you start playing games but it's such a long like it's a slog of a season like it just takes forever and so even those goals like just seem so far in the distance they are right there like that's the difference is like it's one game i remember i i remember sitting there before the Oregon State game my senior year um, and thinking like we are one game away from from potentially getting exactly where we wanted to be. And and it's such a, like it's tangible. I think that's the best way to put it. Like you can literally touch it. Um, And the key is to make sure it doesn't become different than all the others, right? Make sure that you still prepare. Make sure that you're still focused. Make sure that you're not thinking ahead because that's the, that's the scary part is you think you're so close and you start envisioning what it's gonna be like and then you forget to do what you need to do to get ready for the game. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what it feels like is, is you are literally on the precipice of just like, I can see it, but I still have to do the things I need to do to, to prepare and to win the same way like it was week three.
0: Yeah, it really feels like managing the emotions are more important than anything else coming into this game and making sure you can still execute the X's and O's. And one reason why this is such a massive game is that there's a Heisman Trophy that might hang in the balance and Bo Nix has a chance for one more Heisman moment a day before the voting closes. Let's go ahead and listen to Dan Lanning, his thoughts on Bo pursuing the Heisman Trophy. (laughs)
2: Well, Bo's obviously an elite player, and we're still playing football. I think that speaks to the caliber of player that Bo is. You know, the fact that we're competing for a championship, you know, leads the nation in passing. It's obviously, you know, I don't memorize all of Bo's statistics, but just watch Bo play and watch how much of a difference he makes for us. Um, But just as important uh, of that award, you know, what that is to Bo and our team, um, he's more excited about getting to play in a championship game this weekend. And I think anybody that's watched Bo Nix play, the caliber that he's played, recognizes that he uh, definitely deserves merit for that, that award.
0: All right, Aaron, you hear it from Dan. There's a big reason why this team is here, and that's been the play of Bo Nix. And listen, I believe you've got a vote. You look at Nix versus Daniels. It feels like that's what it's coming down to right now from LSU. Penning's kind of out of the question, especially since Bo eclipsed his passing yardage total right now. Where do you lean with Bo Nix getting one more game and how important that is, the fact that Jaden Daniels does not have another game until his bowl game? It's a national stage, all eyeballs on this one, for everyone to see Bo one last time before the voting closes.
3: Put me on a spot, huh? Okay, so Bo needs to have... You don't a... have to say
0: who you're going to vote for. Just make... <laughs>
3: Bo needs to have a special game. And it's, it's going to be an unfair advantage for him to have that last chance to beat an. Un, I mean, if he beats an undefeated Washington team and puts up 400 yards of total offense and four touchdowns, like he's going to have a very, very strong chance of winning this thing. For me, though, when you look at the two players statistically, it's really not close. It's Jaden Daniels. He has a better passer rating, more touchdown passes, and he has 1,100 yards rushing. I think Bo is under 200. That can't be ignored. He's almost 5,000 yards total offense and 50 touchdowns. That is, to me, almost automatic Heisman, but they have three losses. However, two of the losses were against Florida State and Bama. Those are great losses, and he was good in those games. So, Bo has an unfair advantage in that he has the extra game to maybe convince some voters otherwise, but to me, he's going to have to do something grand because Daniels is the leader in the clubhouse, I believe. Jordan, Jordan,
2: I, I I think Coach Lanning said... Said the key piece, at least for me, and and I and I say this not as a biased Oregon grad, but as somebody who's like looking at it from, or, you know, say an outside perspective. This award, while for you know the last twenty years, has been given to the best player on the best team, right? Um, it's a, it's the most outstanding college football player, and what Bo has done. From the very beginning of the season until the very end is i think is unlike anybody else in college football right now, and he, Coach Landing put it so perfectly that says we're still playing right that's the value that Bo brought to this Oregon football team because of him they're still playing football and yeah aaron you got a you got a fair point that the two loss, two of the losses are against um Florida State and, and Alabama, but it's not like Bo didn't, Bo didn't win big football games this year. You know, it, it's there is an element, like if it's purely statistic based, which it's not, you know, we'd have given the, the Heisman to Graham Harrell or to, um, or Kevin Cobb or, you know, some of those guys who just put up astronomical numbers. Jaden Daniels has been phenomenal this year, but I think there's an element of this award that is left vague for a pur- purpose. They've never defined what outstanding means. They've never said, you know, they've never tried to quantify that. And I think it's for a reason. Because sometimes you just see it. Sometimes you feel it. Sometimes it, it, um, it just speaks to you. And I think what Bo has done in the position that he's put his team in is that special piece that would separate him from Jaden Daniels who, uh, you know, and even this year, if, if Jaden wins it, I mean, you can't, you, can not, you can't make an argument that he didn't deserve it. But I think Bo has done enough to separate um, based on that level of outstandingness.
3: Okay, so l- let me respond to that. So what's more impressive, going 9-3 and three with a defense that gives up 27 points a game or going 11-1 and one with a defense that gives up, as you pointed out, 15 points a game? You're saying, landing says that we're here because of Bo. Your defense is giving up 15 points per game. You're hardly in games. The one game they were really in, they lost. So the defense has been a huge part of them still winning. Whereas Daniels lost games to two te- to two really good teams who have one loss combined, who were able to put up more points to overcome him in those games because of the defense. So I'm I'm saying I'm not going to penalize Daniels because his defense isn't as good as Oregon's defense, and his numbers are just way better than Bo's because he's rushing for 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. Which okay, Bo's but not fair,
2: Farrell. I can hear that point, but I'm going to push back on your numbers thing because. Jaden Daniels playing into the fourth quarter against Georgia State so that he can put up 500 yards and eight total touchdowns. Like, that is, that, and, and, and I think it feels to me like there has been some statistic padding at the end of the season. Um, he's had a couple gro- phenomenal games. He had a Tui light like game with over 300 passing and 200 rushing. Like, that, that, that was an unbelievable game. Tui didn't win the Heisman that year, right? So I feel like the fact that there has been this massive push um, to get him yards, to get him touchdowns, to get him statistics. And, and honestly, honestly, it kind of feels like there's been a bit of a push from the four-letter network to, to, to push a narrative like, hey, this is the guy, this is we the guy. be
0: talking about somebody's last name that rhymes with Rhymebom, would you?
2: <laughs> I'm not saying that. Um, Never. What Never. I am saying, though, is it, it feels like it feels like Bo was starting to separate, and then the statistics became a, a conversation. and that, that became part of, part of the narrative, and, and I'm not sure that really, um,
3: I don't know that really does it for me.
0: Let's give Anthony a thought. What you here. got to say, Anthony?
1: Anthony. Well, yeah.
3: Mr. You hate dual threats. You hate dual threats. Who? Me? You, you hate no. D you and hate, you hate up against dual threats, is what I mean.
1: Well, yeah, well, ex- well, yeah, exactly right. And and he- but here's the thing about Bo this year, and if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm trying to defend Bo. You know, from the past, I'm looking at him as a runner as well. Okay, hey, he's going to run the football. We need a linebacker to spy him. So now we're taking a linebacker linebacker out of the the, the drop because he's at the line of scrimmage watching Bo Nix if he's going to run or not. Bo Nix hasn't ran at all this year. He doesn't need to use his legs. Now, he, he's used his legs to get the first down a couple of times here and there. I think his, I think one game he had like maybe 40 yards rushing, and that's been, that's been the most. He's, he's not looking to run. He is throwing the ball all over the place. Now, again, let's give him, a, you know, a, a well let's check the box because of the supporting cast. He has a great supporting cast around him, but yet this Bo Nix, when he gets to the line of scrimmage, I see a coach playing the game. I see a young man leading this team going, hey, no, let's check out of this, let's get to this. This is the best place, best play for us. And then when you see Bo just back there, it's everything is slow motion for him. Everything is, is very easy for him compared to when he was when he first got here or when he was back at Auburn. He is he's playing this game just just effortless. And it's fun to watch, you know. And yes, guys are making great plays, but every time you're a quarterback. Your receivers are going to make great plays, right, Joey? They're going to make some great plays. I mean, it's a five-yard throw and a 60-yard run for a touchdown. Uh, but at the same time, watching Bo put this together and win football games, okay, and only have one loss. Now, you know, one loss, not three. One, that says a lot.
2: Aaron, Aaron, I'm gonna, I'm, I've, I've been thinking about what you, what you said. Um, so much of this Heisman is, is about a moment, right? You know, you you have that you have that moment that sticks in people's minds. I think I, I think you've got a fair point that if Bo goes out and you know has a four hundred you know four hundred yard four touchdown game against Washington, you know I was trying to think like what is Jaden Daniels' moment? It's 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 the game a couple of weeks ago where he you know threw for three and ran for two, but he doesn't have that win, right? The two games that against the big time opponents have been losses, which you know which which you pointed out I, I think this gives Bo an opportunity to have that signature win and I think if that happens and it happens in a way that that you know is impressive, then I think this is an award that he wins if if they win and it's you know, I would say mediocre. He throws for 250 and a couple of touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're pretty much in a coin toss. And, and I could, I, I can hear your argument, Aaron. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I could hear your argument about why it would go to Jaden Daniels. And I think there's a narrative that's being pushed that way. So yeah, I think this is a big moment in terms of Heisman trophy um, for Bo.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think that final moment against Washington will matter. I do believe Daniels played against one additional FCS team than Bo did this past season, so just keep that in mind. But it's going to be a close one, East Coast versus uh, West Coast bias. We'll see what happens. All right, stick around. Plenty more Talking Ducks when we come back. Dan Rubenstein will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the matchup. also talk a little bit about Bo and the Heisman as well, too, when we return. You're watching Talkin' Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back into Talkin' Ducks. It's time now for It Never Rains with our good friend Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal. And Dan, big game week for the Ducks, obviously. This is kind of one of those games that we circle our calendar when the date comes out a week after Oregon punches their ticket here. But a lot of storylines, and I want to start with this one. We just got done talking about Bo Nix and his greatness and this Heisman Trophy race that feels like there hasn't been a whole lot of national buzz surrounding it, but... Looking with one game left, Bo Nix versus Jaden Daniels, who many people think is going to either win it or be the competition for Bo, is this one last opportunity for Bo to vault himself to number one, or where do you think he sits coming into this game against Washington?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's an opportunity to put an exclamation point on his case for the Heisman. There's not much you can do to poke holes in what Jaden Daniels has done this year. Obviously, he can't do anything about LSU's defense, which took a huge step back this year. But the fact remains that Bo Nix is going to play on a stage on Friday night that Jaden Daniels will not play. He will not play in a huge bowl game. He will not play in a conference championship game. And the reason, the biggest reason, Oregon finds themselves at this point is because of Bo Nix and his play this year. I actually looked at the numbers, and Oregon has the best offense in their modern, if not entire history this season in terms of points scored per drive and best net points per drive, which is offensive points per drive minus defensive points per drive. This is the most complete Oregon team, as far as I can tell, in the history of this program. And I don't think that's nothing when you evaluate what Bo Nix has done for this team lately. And uh, he he has a terrific case. There's a reason he's the betting favorite. He has been electric this year.
0: Let's say he throws for 300 yards, two touchdowns, 70% completion percentage. They beat Washington. Is that enough? Would the, do you think the voters would give him the Heisman, or do you think it's Daniels and those eye-popping numbers, especially what he did on the ground? I think it's enough. I it, It's one of those things where I can't tell you Jaden Daniels isn't the Heisman
4: Trophy winner, right. and it's just going to come down to personal preference. It's going to come down to geography, and it's going to come down to what voters, <laughs> and there's a lot of them, decide to reward. And typically speaking, the – the best player on one of the best teams when competing against a player who is on a good, but not great team. And you especially look back to the West coast and whether it's Christian McCaffrey, whether it's Toby Gerhardt, you know, there's a lot of arguments for guys who have looked like the best player in the country, but went eight and four went nine and three, and there wasn't anything they could do about it other than do everything, which they already did. So I, I tend to think it'll be Bo Nix if he has that kind of performance in a win an emphatic win, especially for Oregon. But I think it's real close.
0: All right, getting to this matchup against Washington, it feels like decades ago that these two teams played. I mean, it was back in October. It feels like Oregon's gone on the trajectory up, and Washington has just been able to kind of stack up these wins, but they haven't really defeated anybody convincingly enough where you're like, dang, these guys are locked in and loaded and playing at a very high level. What do you see on the field is going to be the difference between these two teams come this Friday?
4: So, I think for Oregon, it's going to be the pass rush. And we saw it early on, even when they couldn't get home in the matchup in Seattle. It was guys like Brandon Dorless getting their hands in the lane. And it was a matter of making Michael Penix uncomfortable, which he has seemed at times these past few weeks bad weather, good weather, whatever. Teams have made him hesitate a little bit. He's been off with his throwing, he's been off with his footwork. And so, I really think it's going to be a question of one, getting to Michael Penix uh, along the line with as little, as few guys as possible. And two, when playing physically against these Washington receivers, play up to the point of a penalty, but don't do anything over the top when the play is there to be made that you're also yanking down on a collar or something like that. And so that, I think, is going to ultimately decide the game because I'm not terribly worried about the Oregon offense. I think they're going they've looked to be in a better place than where they were. In Seattle, they've utilized the middle of the field a lot more. When you look at what Tez Johnson and Terrence Ferguson have been able to accomplish down the middle of the field, that opens things up for Troy Franklin down the field. So that's not a real concern point to me with the Washington uh, Washington defense. To me, it's getting off the field, making plays on defense. And because of the depth of this defense, the addition of Justin Jacobs at linebacker since they played that game, I really think if Oregon's able to continue to play like they've played and Washington continues to play like it's played since, I don't even see it being all that competitive late. I think Oregon's that much better.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Jacobs because that was one of those under-the-radar adjustments later in the season. You get a little bit more help at that linebacker position. And it feels like this defense has been at a completely different level. All right. The big question here, though, is if Oregon beats Washington – Will they make it to the college football playoff? We know there's a lot of scenarios that can take place. The thing that could probably muck it up the most is Alabama defeating Georgia in the SEC championship game. But number five, Oregon, beating number three, Washington, the only team that's beat them all year, if they do it convincingly, is that enough to get Oregon into the CFP?
4: I think so, yeah. I, I, I'm not really that hesitant about it. And now it would be a bigger question if Oregon hadn't been the highest ranked one-loss team all this time in the committee's eyes. But if you're at number five, sitting at 11-1, and one, playing for the conference championship, and you beat a 12-0 and 0 team, that's number three, the justification just isn't there to leave them out now if you want to parse schedules and talk about texas beating alabama and them having a a common opponent in texas tech which i think is pretty meaningless at this point because this is all like early september uh fine but because of the way the rankings have shaken out i don't really think there's much of a question that unless something absolutely wild happens which i don't even think i can map out for you even if alabama wins even if georgia and alabama both get in I still think a Pac-12
0: team is in the, in the Final Four. Okay. A very confident Dan Rubenstein. I appreciate it. Remind folks where they can catch you.
4: Uh, the Solid Verbal Podcast on YouTube, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm the, uh, the more handsome and more correct one all of
0: the time. <laughs> Just like in this conversation as well, too. <laughs> all right. Stick around. We'll give you our thoughts on the matchup with Washington when we come back on Talking Ducks. You're watching Talkin' Ducks, built by Par Lumber. All right, well, the Ducks getting set for this matchup against Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. As we said earlier in the show, you really couldn't script anything better. Bitter rivals. Winner has a really good chance of punching their ticket to the college football playoff. Washington's guaranteed if they win. Oregon has a really strong case if they do. But looking at Washington, Anthony, it's been fascinating. Ever since these two teams played, it feels like Oregon's gotten better and better each week. And Washington, granted, they've won all of their games. They've had to pull out some last-second wins. You look at one-score victories over Arizona State, Stanford, Washington State at home. This UW team feels a little bit different, but convince me why, as an Oregon fan, you should still be concerned about them as Oregon takes the
1: field on Friday. Well, coaches will always talk about teams find ways to win football games. If they're struggling, you know, they're not playing well, but they still win. And Washington is undefeated. Am I right? They haven't <laughs> lost a football game. So, yeah. So here, here's the deal. You know, they understand those tough situations, adverse situations. They know how to fight through those tough times and still win football games. So you got to give them credit for that. But to watch them play, they don't. They look a little sloppy. You know, they, they look like you know, there was times when they should have lost those football games, uh, but they 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 won. Now, when you look at Oregon, they're playing better every game. I mean, it's a machine. And it's offense, it's defense, it's special teams. Special teams are struggling a little bit with the kicker, but that's okay. They're scoring enough points. They don't need the kicker right now. Uh, It's offensive,
2: defense, and special teams. Well, maybe not special teams. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) But they're playing as a whole. And that's what you want to do when you play in November and you're playing a Pac-12 championship game. You need your whole team to show up. Everybody needs to play well. And I don't see that with Washington, but I do see it with Oregon.
0: Mm. Joey, for Washington and for Penix specifically, he just hasn't looked as sharp as he has been. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still a very big time lethal threat out there, but something seems just a little bit off, misses his first three throws to start that game against Washington State. Do you think he's playing as sharp as he was when Oregon faced them in October? No, he's
2: not, um, and I don't want to speculate on on what or why, um, but I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a visible fact that that he's not. I mean, this is a this is a different Washington team right now than it was midseason. Midseason they were rolling. Midseason they were they were riding high. Um, but as somebody who has played a lot of close games in their college career, um, you know, like Anthony said, even though they have struggled, even though Pennix hasn't played as well, even though they turned the ball over three times in the first half against Arizona State, they still found ways to win. Um, so, yeah, Pennix is not as sharp as, as he was uh, for whatever reason that, you know, you know, I don't think it really matters, but um, they've still found ways to win, which is which in and of itself is kind of scary.
0: Yeah, I mean, Aaron, this, there's an art to winning, right? And winning games does take skill, whether it's coaching decisions or just being able to make a play at that key moment. But what have you noticed from Washington the last four or five weeks? I mean, is this the same team that Oregon faced against in October? What's been the biggest difference?
3: It's been pretty fascinating, really, because they're still explosive, but they're just not... They're not dominating teams you'd expect them to dominate like Oregon has. Oregon has come up against teams that you expect them to win by a lot, and they're destroying the point spread, <laughs> like, right? They're favored by 21. They're winning by 40, and it's not even close going into the second half, whereas Washington's going out there and struggling with Stanford, struggling with Arizona State, uh, struggling with Washington State. I couldn't believe that. I'm thinking they're going to come out and just destroy Washington State at home to set the table for the Pac-12 title game rematch, and it's 21-21 with two minutes to go, and Washington State has the ball. That's to me, it's just bizarre, but still – Panics, I mean, we can say what we want about Panics, but you know, against Southern Cal, 73%, 256, two touchdowns, but they rushed for like 280 or something. So that took away some of his yards. They scored 52 points. Um, <clears throat> even in the uh, you know, the Stanford game. You know, you would expect him to dominate. Well, he threw for 369 and four. The defense didn't show up that day. So some element is not showing up each week, but other elements are getting it done. So if they can put it all together, they're still gonna be a serious problem for the Ducks this week, and they're capable of doing that. And we know that Pennix can light it up at any moment. We know they got receivers. We know Oregon struggled with that in the first meeting. So I wouldn't read too much into all of that stuff going on, but I don't think it's nothing. I think one team came out of that loss pissed off And it's just steamrolled and dominated everybody. Whereas the other team came out of it celebrating it like they won the championship. We're we're printing t-shirts about it and just being ridiculous. And then they kind of fell flat. Now that's the fans, not necessarily the players. But you wonder if some of that infiltrated into their locker room because they haven't looked dominant at all. But we'll see what happens on Friday night.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, this is still a Washington team that beat Arizona on the road, beat USC on the road, beat Oregon State on the road, beat Oregon at home, say what you will, they're getting the wins. And they may not be pretty, but there's an art to closing out these games and a reason why they're undefeated. So looking at the matchup now on the field, Anthony, you've talked about it already, the defense, the pass rush, what else stands out to you? What does Oregon need to do to close this thing out and all of a sudden put themselves at the forefront of this college football playoff race in the conference?
1: Well, they need to finish the game. The playmakers need to make plays. So you have your stars on your football team, and they have to show up uh, when when the light is very bright. And, And this game, Friday night, it's going to be some bright lights. And the guys got to make plays. When there's opportunities to make plays, you have to make those plays. Coaches tell us all the time, you only get so many opportunities during a game. And when that opportunity shows up, you have to make that play. So it's about playmaking, making plays on offense, on defense, the big catches, the interceptions, the sacks, tackles for loss, all those big things against a good football team who knows how to win football games.
2: Aaron, do they, they need to make plays? I, th- I think they need to make plays. Is that what you got to make said? some
3: plays at some point? Do they need point? to make plays? Much. I think yeah, they need to make point. plays. You can't just not make any plays.
0: <laughs> Couple plays. You, you know, Joey, I wonder too, the play calling Last time on third and short, fourth and short for Oregon, there were some questions after that game as far as the way that either the plays were designed or how they were executed. Right, we're not pinning it on any one person. Just it did not look like Oregon performed very well in those short yardage situations. How closely do you think Oregon is looking at that, and maybe tinkering with a few things?
2: Wow, you're pulling it. You're, you're pulling out here. I had completely forgotten about that that aspect of that game. Um, Which is so huge. You, I
0: mean, there's, what, four or five situations like that in that game that really determined the outcome.
2: Absolutely. We were absolutely talking about those things after the game. And because of that, I guarantee you that they're going back and looking to see how they're going to execute, or how they can execute better in those situations, because there's one thing I know that I've learned from Dan Lanning is he's not going to change. Right? That's what he's going to do. He's going to play in a, an aggressive style of football. And so it's not a matter of going back to look and see, well, should I have made a different call? But rather going back to look and see, how do I execute that better so that we convert on that fourth down, right? So, um, yeah, that, and that's what great coaches and great teams do is they learn from their mistakes. They go back and they study their it's, – it's self-scouting, right? You watch your teams. Um, you know, you watch the team that you're going to play when you study, but you also study yourself. Like what mistakes did I make? You go back and watch the game, learn, get better every week. And and Oregon has done that and Dan Lanning has shown that that he's able to lead in that way. So, I don't think that his style will change, but you better believe that he's going to bet go back and look and find a way to execute better in those
0: situations. All right, Aaron, one more quick thought on this matchup and then we'll get to predictions after the break.
3: Uh you know, for, for me, it's, it's just going to come down to which coach makes the best adjustments from the first game. You know, the, you know, that's the one thing that's cool about this. They played already, so each of them has film to go through, not, not just on who else they played, but they played each other. You know, can Oregon figure out a way to stop those damn back shoulder passes, <laughs> back shoulder fades? Like, if you take that away, it's 75 to 10, right? I mean, can you figure that out? Oh, but dude, can you figure it out? That's a hard <laughs> pass to take away.
0: And you huh? know that. What's that? They said, you know, that's a hard pass to take away. It is
3: very hard. Like, you have to commit other defenders, but then you're, 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 you open up things over the middle or you, you take away some of your run defense. There's a chess match there. You know, do the Huskies figure out ways to maybe slow down Oregon's running game because Oregon just gasped the ball up the middle all game. You commit more inside to take that away and then you open up things for the outside, obviously. So it's going to come down to me to which coach does the best in trying to figure out ways to slow up the things that hurt them the most the last time. So that's going to be an interesting chess match to watch unfold.
0: All right, stick around when we come back. We'll give you our predictions for the Pac 12 championship games. Ducks versus dogs. Who's going to win? Find out when we come back. You're watching Talkin' Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back to Talkin' Ducks. Time now for Tools for Victory, brought to you by Leatherman. Final game of the Pac 12 history. Ever. Oregon versus Washington Pac-12 championship game. And if you look at what tool the Ducks need here, Joey, you open up that Leatherman, what are you pulling out for this game for Oregon? I am going... I'm going screwdriver.
2: Why? Because they need to lock it down. They have to lock these receivers down. Look, if, if I'm looking at one thing about this game that... I don't want to say is is a bit of a wild card. Look, Washington tries to stop Oregon's rushing attack. Bo throws the ball. They try and stop Bo. They run the ball. They're gashing them all game. Defensively, Oregon got into the backfield. They pressured Penix last time. The one thing that they weren't able to do is lock down those receivers. This secondary is going to have to come up a little bit bigger than they did last time. Now, I'm not saying they got to hold Penix to 186 yards and, and three picks but they can't give them 315 and four touchdowns, right? They got to make a couple plays. They got to find ways to flip the momentum, to, to shut down a drive. This, they're going to have to screw down. They're going to have to lock down this secondary. These receivers are, were a problem the first time, and, they, and they're going to have to find a way to slow that down, or else, you know, we're going to find ourselves in another 38, 35 type of game.
1: All right, Anthony. Uh, you have to use every tool, every tool that's available. You really do, because you're playing the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, In this game, you have a team that can score points. Washington can score points. Or, uh, you know, they can score enough points to win the football game if it's only 22 points, but they find ways to win football games. So you need to do everything right. You need to cut off the head of the snake. I hate to say that, but that's Penix Jr. You got to get to him. And that's what happened in that last game, Oregon put a lot of pressure on Penix and beat him up. If he's if he gets pressure in the pocket, he doesn't like that. And and but Oregon didn't win that football game. Washington found a way to win the game. So you got to get the other tools to help you out to make sure you win that football game.
0: Aaron
3: is a plow a tool or is that machinery?
0: <laughs> anyway. I don't think there's a Leatherman plow, but there you go. You can send it to their R and D department. But go ahead. Hey,
3: that's just the thing I can come up. With. Uh, so. You know, look, they're not going to disrupt Penix enough to where that wins the game. I, Penix' knows receivers are just too good. Like they're they're gonna slow. They might have moments, but they're gonna get theirs. I, I, the difference in the last game for me was really just the way Oregon just ran the ball, which maybe reduced a couple possessions for Washington and put Bow in great passing situations. They rushed for over 20 yards. Both Bucky and James averaged about 5.7, 5.8 yards per carry. To me, that's still the best way to try and deal with Washington is to just pound their defense and then obviously use the pass and balance and keep the offense off the field a little bit. Reduce a couple possessions because you're eating clock, and you're moving the ball, and you're changing field position and things like that, even when you don't score. So that, to me, they have to keep doing that. If they struggle at all in the running game, that's why I said earlier, you know, does Washington figure out a way to slow that up? If they do, then I think they have a chance you know, to take this game home pretty easily, not easily, but take this game home. But if Oregon can maintain that running game, I think they have a great chance to win.
0: Joey. My tools, hey. is cor- my tools is corkscrew. Get yeah? ready for that champagne. Because Oregon's going to win. Just do what you've been doing, honestly. Like You were playing at such a high level. Don't overthink it. This is truly the time you want to treat it like another game and not play outside of yourself. For As far as predictions, Oregon's favored by 9.5. Real quick, I'm going to give you my thoughts on this one. I think Oregon gets the win 35-24 Ooh. in this one. Joey. 35-24. I'm
2: going 38 um, 38- 21. Oregon's defense coming up big. Woo! Yep, I said it. All right, I love 21. it. Take Anthony. that, Lawyer Malloy and Nigel
1: Burton. You know I don't give sc- I don't give scores, but Oregon's going to win by fourteen. I, I, they're going to dominate this football game. And and by the way, Joey, is that a, is there a plow on that? I tool? was looking
4: for
2: the plow. No, I no. was trying to find. Aaron, like, to I was like, it's home. You can you can cram it all together
3: and like plow
2: like that With way. The plow. I, I was like, the, Aaron, you got, I got fifteen a, seconds to I, of the mark, I right? picked
3: the Huskies to win the conference title at the beginning of the season. But I just can't pick them to win this game, even though I'm trolling with the purple jacket. The Ducks have been playing way better football. I'm going 39-33, Oregon. I knew there it. was Enjoy hope the game. For you, be a game we we'll
0: you We'll break everything down afterwards. For all of us here at Talking Ducks, appreciate you stopping by. You can catch us wow. on YouTube. We appreciate the comments. Wow. We'll see you guys next week after the championship.